When I named this podcast Twitter Travels for Pete over a year ago, I had no idea how prescient that name would be. How could I know that Pete Buttigieg would be nominated to be Secretary of Transportation by President Joe Biden? Secretary Mayor Pete Buttigieg. This exciting news has prompted all of Team Pete to learn as much as we can about transportation. And thus, welcome to Twitter Travels for Pete, Transportation Edition. Welcome back, everyone. Today, we're going to be talking about high-speed rail. And I'm very excited to have Paige Malat with us today. Paige is co-founder and chair of Cascadia Rail, a woman-led, binational, nonprofit organization that advocates for building high-speed rail to connect Seattle, Portland, and Vancouver, Canada. She's also the creator of trainexplainer.com, which uses digital communications to educate stakeholders on the benefits of building high-speed rail in North America. Based in Seattle, Washington, Paige has developed digital communication strategies for over 15 years, with a focus on transportation education and building public support of projects. Recently, Paige developed digital strategies with Seattle's Business Association, to build stakeholder support and secure funding for infrastructure and public transit initiatives, such as the Seattle Streetcar and Light Rail expansion. In addition to consulting, Paige is an online learning facilitator at Massachusetts Institute of Technology, MIT, with a focus on social media strategy and executive education. Paige, that is a lot. You have a lot to bring to the table today. Thank you. <laughs> Paige, welcome. Thanks so much for having me, Sue Ann. Oh, my goodness. Um, you know how everybody is just so excited about the whole idea of getting high-speed rail. And um, I have to say, you caught my attention. Cascadia Rail caught my attention when you tweeted out a Valentine to Secretary Pete. Um, That definitely caught my eye. I hope it caught his eye. And I'm looking at it right now. Pete, let's start a train reaction to your heart. We hope you love the idea of high-speed rail between Portland, Seattle, Vancouver, BC2. And I'm waiting for it to go. Pete, will you be my Valentine? Oh, my goodness. Do you know all of Team... Well, all of Team Pete was so excited about that because Pete, uh, during the campaign, had the rules of the road that we as volunteers and all his staff would also be following. Um, Basically, the code of conduct starts with respect. Well, respect, belonging, truth, teamwork, boldness, responsibility, substance, discipline, excellence. And then the last one is joy. So I think that the fact you did that Valentine shows, uh, well, shows all those, but but joy, especially the fact that you can have fun with it. I thought, okay, these people, I'm going to pay attention to Cascadia Rail. <laughs> so can you tell me a little background about um, how you decided to do that Valentine? Sure. And, and we were so delighted to have so many Team Pete followers join us um, in, back in February and, and really start to help uh, learn more about the project and high-speed rail. Um, the idea for the Valentine to Secretary Pete came from two of our volunteers. 
And uh, we were thinking about what can we do for Valentine's Day and the announcements of Secretary Pete's appointment had just happened. And so we thought, hey, you know, let's championing him. Let's, um, you know, reach out and see maybe we can get his attention about our project. And so they, they came up with the idea and put the graphic together and we ran with it and, and people loved it. And it was so fun, just like you, you had mentioned, it just spread so much joy and playfulness um, in, in talking about high-speed rail and talking about Secretary Pete's new position. Uh, so we're so excited to have everyone join us and, and uh, start learning more about trains. I think we were finding right away that he wasn't going to be like uh, the usual Secretary of Transportation. Um, it, was, it was fun for us on Team Pete to see, well, you know what? We can have fun with this and, you know, just support him and support transportation projects in, you know, any fun way that we know how. And just like let it go. <laughs> so Cascadia Rail. Then, then I thought, what is Cascadia Rail? And then uh, since, of course, I am a lay person who is not involved in the area of transportation, uh, I looked and I said, okay, advocacy group. And I looked at the website, CascadiaRail.org. And I thought, oh, oh, well, there isn't actually a rail yet. Right. Not this is yet. what you have it's, to. This is what you have to do. This is what you have to do to get one. Correct. I mean, um, just if you could give us the background about, you know, how an advocacy group like this gets started and what role you play in the actual realization of of making this happen. Sure. So Cascadia Rail was started back in 2018. Um, as part of the, the study that came out about the initial idea for having high-speed rail in the Pacific Northwest. And it was formed by advocates who previously worked on the Seattle light rail expansion uh, that had happened just a few years prior. And so we were looking for a new mode, a new project to champion. And so we came together and formed Cascadia Rail and uh, basically wanted to get people excited about what we were doing. Um, wanted to help people understand the benefits of high-speed rail because it was really an incredible transformational project what this initial research study that came out from the Washington State Department of Transportation had revealed about um, the, the great impacts it could have to alleviate a lot of the pain points and large-scale problems that uh, Seattleites and Pacific Northwesterners are having around their commutes, around housing affordability, and around the growth that was happening in the region. Um, so how, how we came together is uh, we decided that we we're going to start doing outreach in the Seattle area, as well as in Portland and Vancouver, BC, which is where the other two um, identified spots in the alignment are. And we also reached out to small communities along the way because while they haven't designated specific stops yet, those small communities um, will be seeing some of the benefits of, uh, of where this rail line goes. So we wanna make sure that everyone is involved and, and informed about, uh, about the project. So that's a little bit about how we got, how we got started. Um, personally, I've worked in transportation advocacy for the past 10 years and came from a streetcar background before I got involved with high-speed rail. So it really comes from a groundswell support of grassroots advocates, of, of citizens that are passionate about transportation and improving their community. 
and getting out and talking about it to their friends and neighbors. Well, I had no idea of, of that, the importance of that. I, um, I think that's really good for everyone to know the power of that, um, that advocacy piece and that it's just involving everyone and not just waiting around for some sort of authority to produce it for you, right? That, that, that grassroots um, excitement for it. And then I, I want to go back to the study that was done that you were talking about, because um, I, I haven't even been thinking of that angle. It seems like, is that the order of things that studies are done first that inform um, these uh, future projects? And then yes. if you could talk a little bit about that, because like if you were working backwards, it's like, you know, I think we need something. Then would you advocate for a study to be done? As uh, to get this, the uh, the data that you might need to be able to uh, persuade. Oh, absolutely. So, so looking back at how does an idea like this get started? Where does it come from? Our idea for the high speed rail line actually came from the governor of Washington and the premier of British Columbia uh, back in 2016, and this idea came about at a forum called the Cascadia Innovation Corridor. And this is an annual meetup of uh, business communities and decision makers and legislators that are looking to plan for the future and the growth that's happening in our region. And so um, high-speed rail was on the radar and we were actually, our region was one of the initial high-speed rail corridors that was identified all the way back in 1993 when the U.S. first looked at uh, implementing high-speed rail. So we had this kind of bare bones idea of what, um, what high-speed rail could do going back over the past decades. And now it was actually mm -hmm. time to do something about it. So okay. um, the idea came out of this conference and then the governor directed the uh, state of Washington DOT to do a study. And so far um, they, they put out a study about every year. And so the first one was, was a feasibility study and what that looks at is, is this a, a viable project? Is this something that can serve the needs that we're trying to meet? Uh, the answer was yes. Then they did a business case study. And this looked at uh, what are the impacts and actual numbers and data that we have to support doing this project? And that's when things got really interesting because um, we learned just how transformative, how transformative this could be. Uh, so for example, our project has the capability of bringing $355 billion in economic growth to the Pacific Northwest. And that's huge. Um, that's it's, because it's, if people can get there easily, they can do things. Absolutely. If, it may, if you make it easy for people to get around, uh, it makes it easier for them to participate in the economy, makes it mm -hmm. more attractive for them to come live, work, and play in our region. Mm -hmm. Um, and it also helps with, with climate benefits as well. So our, our project would reduce carbon emissions by 6 million metric tons, which is the same as taking 13 million vehicles off the road. Um, so just solving some of these, these big issues um, as far as getting people around and allowing them to have um, choices, different choices of how they commute and get around the region was one of the big learnings we had from this business case study. And finally, we had um, the framework study, which came out at the end of last year. And this was basically a roadmap, or maybe we should call it a, a rail map, a transit map of how to, to implement this project <laughs> right. going forward. <laughs> and, uh, and that provided the next steps of, um, of what legislators and what um, 
wash that and what, what our planning committee needed to do in order to bring this into reality. And that's where we're at. Okay, but so that's the state of Washington, and then you've got Canada, which you said the um, premier, I don't know who, yes. for BC, right? British the Columbia. premier, yes. <laughs> yes, okay. Um, so how, how does that work with interfacing? Or do they say, hey, you get the train to the border, we'll take, the, to take care of the rest? <laughs> <laughs> so, so the way that the, the planning is working is that it's, it's collaborative. So um, the state of Washington is, is basically managing the plans for the project, for the high-speed rail project. And uh, the state of Oregon and the province of British Columbia is contributing financially to help pay for these studies. Um, and then oh, we also, okay. yeah, yeah. So, so the planning is all regionally collaborative. And then we also have a business partner as well. Um, we have Microsoft, uh, who is located in Seattle. Their headquarters is in Seattle, and um, I believe they also have um, a, an office, a headquarters in in British Columbia as well. Um, they have contributed about a quarter of the funds needed to uh, do these studies. So they are looking at a, an equal partnership to both states and the province as well. And that's something that's really become a, an example of how we can get these high-speed rail projects built is public-private collaboration um, and the business community really supporting and seeing the benefits that having mm-hmm. transformative transportation uh, can do for their business, can help their employees and really help the, the community where they thrive. Oh, yeah, it sounds like a great collaboration. Oh, my my goodness. You know, I, I have I, I told you in the email about how um, as a family we had we dro- drove from Seattle to Vancouver and it was late at night. The We couldn't get a flight to Vancouver. So we flew to, to Seattle and then drove to Vancouver and it was so late at night and it was so long. That drive was so long. And then How when long I did we it crossed, feel like? <laughs> it felt like forever. And then <laughs> we got to the border and I like, okay, we're here. <laughs> no, we're not. We're not in Vancouver yet. <laughs> so that part was even longer. And the thing is, it was really dark, but mm-hmm. uh, that was like 20 years ago. So I don't know. Um, maybe there's more development now, but it was really dark. And, and um, just reading about Cascadia Rail the first time I thought, oh, my gosh, I would love, I would love, love, love to be on that train. Oh, absolutely. So, so the drive time, believe it or not, the drive time um, between Seattle and Vancouver when you account for having to queue at the border as well, um, can be around anywhere from four to upwards of maybe five and a half, six hours, depending on what that delay looks like at the border. Uh, If you take the existing Amtrak train, it's about a three and a half to four hour train ride. And then um, going to Portland is similar. So it's about three and a half hours, whether you're driving or taking the train to Portland. Now what high-speed rail can do is that reduces that travel time to under an hour. Now, can you imagine? Going oh, that's from... so scary. That's so fast. <laughs> it's, it's, it's only 225 miles an hour <laughs> only. And, and, and when you ride it, it's, it's seamlessly smooth. It's, it doesn't feel like you're just rocketing along, but you're actually moving pretty fast. And so um, if I usually get like car sick or train sick, I'm not going to be as likely to on a high speed rail. 
Oh, not at all. It's a super smooth ride. And, and the reason for that is the way that the, the rail system is constructed. So because the, the rail is reaching such high speeds, the alignment is straight and it's also um, its own dedicated alignment. So a lot of people don't know that our current Amtrak system shares the majority of its tracks with the freight railroads. So, um, you know, you're, you're not having a dedicated passenger rail line where you can have improvements that are specific for the performance of a passenger rail. So with high-speed rail, it would have its own line um, and it would be improved and, and built to specifications where we could travel safely at 225 miles an hour, where the ride would just be, um, you know, as smooth as if you're just walking down the street, <laughs> it feels like. Um, I, I've ridden the high-speed rail lines both in uh, Germany and in Japan as well. And uh, it, it, you just zip right along and you could fall asleep. It's so, so comfortable. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited to see this project come to fruition and really help people get around uh, both going north and going south um, in a more sustainable, fun way to travel. Well, you know, if it, it's only going to take that long, you could do that in a day easily. You're right. Come just go for a meeting and come back. Right. And then and then for and then for um, going over the border and doing customs. How is that uh, proposed? Then that would be is that like at the airport where on the U.S. side, like you just take care of all of that. So, so as you mentioned before, that it's it's. A, a possibility and what we're looking to do is to have people actually commute from Seattle to Vancouver, BC, and then come back home again the same day. Uh, so people can really live where they want and work where they want and not have to be burdened by commute. Same thing with if you want to live in Portland and work in Seattle, come back home to Portland the same day. Now, when we're talking about the border crossing at Canada, there is a committee that's currently looking at how do we streamline border crossing so that mm -hmm. um, this does not add on a significant amount of time to uh, the travel journey. And what we have currently, what currently happens if you take Amtrak across the border is that the train will roll up at the border um, in Blaine, Washington. There is the, the checkpoint where the cars would typically go through. And a team of border agents come out of their booths and they come down to the train and they do a passport check, an ID check on the train. Now, this only takes about 10 minutes from start to finish for the whole train to get checked, which is incredibly fast. I mean, think about how long the queue is if you're sat in your car. It's at least a half hour. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so they do the check on the train and the train gets underway and, um, and you're in Canada and you're on your way to the station. Um, so it's it's very efficient, it's fast paced already. And uh, what's similar to what we do in other countries, um, for example, there's a border crossing in Hungary into Austria where they have this same kind of check and the agents will actually get on the car in Hungary. Uh, the train car will continue traveling and then the agents will check the identifications while the train is moving and then they get off in the first stop in Austria. And um, that way that the train doesn't have to stop at all. It's just picking up the agents um, when, when they're dropping off passengers in other cities. So um, it, can be, it can be streamlined and fast. That sounds like a great way to, to do it. And it's kind of fun. Yeah, that's definitely something that uh, would add a lot of time to the trip if, you, if it's not you know, handled the most efficiently. 
Okay. So that makes me think about the, so we've talked about the state and the, and the provincial governments are how, to what extent is the U.S. Department of Transportation, a.k.a. Secretary Pete, involved, and then the Canadian DOT, because I know Pete and uh, the Minister of, of Transportation, I'm sorry, I don't have his name right now, um, they've been chatting a lot yes. about building that relationship between Canada and the U.S. Does your project, do you, like, what, what sort of role do the, does the federal system and the Canadian system Pay, uh, so so play. The, the meetings with Secretary Pete and the minister from Canada, uh, his name is Minister Algebra, um, is they, they have been discussing a bilateral cooperation to fight climate change, uh, specifically with changes to the transportation networks. And transportation is the largest contributor to greenhouse gas emissions. Um, here in, in Washington, I believe it's about 60% of our emissions come from transportation, and that's land, air, and sea emissions. And so they've been discussing how to have zero emissions by 2050 and how to reduce greenhouse gas um, contributions. Uh, so that looks like electrifying uh, transportation, having cleaner burning fuels. Um, and as far as rail goes, that looks like you know transitioning diesel trains to electric trains, um, which run on clean energy. Uh, they can be um, powered by systems that are, are hydro-powered and you know, hydro-power power plants to fuel the overhead wires, um, which basically negates any kind of, of pollution. So you know, that goes hand in hand with Washington State's goals of having a 40% reduction of pollution by 2030 um, and looking to solve some of these transportation problems in the process. Now, a fun fact is that high-speed rail is 47% more energy efficient than a car and 36% more energy efficient than air travel. So if we're looking for solutions that are going to make a big change, um, high-speed rail is a mode that can do that. Right. So you're going to see the, the results of the investment for sure. Well, so it all sounds like everything's good. A lot of support. The studies are showing that you need to, that this is going to be good. You've got the, you know, state, provincial, Can Canadian, and uh, Secretary Pete's uh, Department of Transportation. Sound like it's all fitting. But so if you have any, what are some challenges, though, to getting this done? Some of the challenges is time. Um, the length of time that it will take to implement a system is always uh, a big challenge in keeping people interested and engaged over the duration of time. So one of the things that I'm really excited for Secretary Pete to do, uh, as he talked about in his confirmation hearing with, uh, with the Senate, was trying to get rid of as much red tape and bureaucracy as possible to get these projects underway. And so really looking on how to streamline infrastructure projects. And that's across um, all types of, of, of things, whether that's, that's uh, data and, and fiber optics or uh, sewers or transportation, roads, planes, uh, trains, et cetera. And you know, I think that all of that goes hand in hand is how can we have uh, an overhaul of these systems um, without the bureaucracy? 
So one of the challenges that we have when I go out and talk with the community is, is we'll say, you know, we're building this great high-speed rail system. Here are the benefits and, and people are sold. They're super excited and they say, well, okay, well, when can I ride it? When is it opening? <laughs> right? Yes, and, I want to know when I can ride it, okay? <laughs> and, and the answer is, you know, and our project is still looking um, about 10, 15 years out at this point. And so you tell people that and they have this big smile on their face. And then all of a sudden they, they get furrow their brow and they say, oh, I'll be retired by then. Or some people will be like, oh, I'll be dead by then. It's like, well, that's not the enthusiasm. Like, that's not the attitude that we want for this. You know, and so and so when we think about, OK, we need to have the public and, and decision makers be excited about seeing results fast. I think that's the important thing to take mm-hmm. away is is how do we change the way we're doing things to see results fast in order to meet some of these large scale goals like uh, climate goals, climate change goals, emissions reductions, or solving commute problems, um, rather than saying, well, the way that we do it means it's going to take 15 years. And that's not necessarily the case. In other countries, um, high-speed rail is being built in two years, two or three years of rolling out systems. Now, you know, are we set up to be doing that as our, our government, um, similar to the governments doing those types of projects? No, but I think that there is a, a um, room, room to change where we can reduce from 15-year projects, you know, and, and shorten that. Can we get to 10? Can we get to seven years? You know, maybe we can't do it in two years because of the way things are structured here. Um, but how can we shorten it so that people are going to get more excited and really see this as a part of their daily life um, that's coming soon that can help them. Well, I think that's something that Secretary Pete definitely can uh, help with because he's a creative problem solver. He's definitely like, just not, let's not do things the way we've always done things just for the sake of that. This is a, yeah, especially the client can't wait, you know, that's, that's 15 years. No, I think we need it. Well, what are some ways that like, would it help to have segments done or, you know, obviously, if we're connecting all these cities. Sure. So so how, what are some ways that we can expedite the process? Um, and so the first thing I will say is, is I will trust the experts. They need to go in and, and have a look at what is slowing things down um, and, and see where we can trim things back. Because there are a lot of parts of the process that are important to make sure that people are um, being heard as far as, you know, where the project alignment is going and who is writing the project, um, who is uh, financing the project, things like that. The goals are being met along the way. Um, however, there is the, the largest part of delay typically comes with the environmental impact study, um, which because we're covering so, and, and what that is, uh, is a study that, that digs deep into where the alignment is going and who is going to be affected by the construction. Um, so that might be, you know, whose property is going to have the trade running through it and what negotiations need to take place is also was where are we putting up poles for the electric? Uh, where are we digging? All that fun stuff. So a lot of, of deep details. And it's important to have those conversations, but it's also important to look at what are things we can do to speed up that process where that you know could take several years to do, um, particularly because we're going over a, a fairly long alignment. You know, we're co- covering... Um, all the way from Portland to Seattle to Vancouver. And even if we were to trim that down and say, okay, we're going to work on this Seattle to Vancouver segment first, uh, that's still quite a bit of municipalities and communities that you have to go through to get consensus on things. So um, 
I would love to see and hear ideas to, on, on how that can be sped up um, so that people get those results, right? Especially since like it, w- it doesn't really do any good to only have part of it done and then start working on that segment of the rail. If up the track, you don't get approval, <laughs> you know, you have to, you Correct. sort of have to know for the whole route. I mean, I Correct. would assume. <laughs> Correct. And what, and one way to, that we can do that now being early on in the, the process is to have a vision statement where everyone is on board, where everyone gets behind the same goals and says, we are building a high-speed rail system to do X, Y, and Z. Um, we are going to have these equity goals. We are going to um, make sure that these, these values and these time commitments are met so that the project doesn't have a bunch of delays. And having just some very clear, defined goals um, are, are really going to help come back to that. When those problems come up, you know, we come back to the document that says, this is what we're doing. And like, oh, okay, yes. Yeah, so everyone's on the same page. So being able to be clear and upfront. So all the municipalities, the municipalities and um, that's that what you mean? Any of the stakeholders. Yeah. And, and that includes, um, you know, any business partners, um, any communities and, and local legislators that are involved with the project. Um, that could be things such as if airports are participating as well, if there's going to be a station at the airport um, and the places where a station is going to be located. And those are things that still need to be determined. We're not far enough along to say the station's going specifically here, but uh, those communities would have input into what that looks like and what that means for for, uh, their area. Um, And being able to have a clear vision statement with what we're doing and what aligns with those values early before we start uh, any complex part of the process is what's going to help um, help remedy anything when those questions can and will come up in the future. So is the route basically the Amtrak route? I mean, how much of it is using what's already been, not the lines, but like, like, like next to it or... I don't know. That's immediately what comes to my mind. So I think you better set us straight. <laughs> so, so the specific, uh, the, the route will be from Portland to Seattle to Vancouver. So that has been identified. Um, there is not a specific, oh, it's, it's going through you know, this corridor. Um, it's basically going to be a, a um, similar route to I-5 is basically what we're looking to do. So to okay. have people be using the train instead of I-5. Now, this is also Amtrak also serves this as well. Um, but Amtrak also serves a lot of smaller communities. So high-speed rail would not specifically be running on the Amtrak rail lines. Um, we see it as a complement to Amtrak rather than a, a, a competitor. And, right. um, and, it, and it will have to have its own right-of-way because of, like we mentioned earlier, with having those 225-mile-per-hour speeds, it needs to have its mm-hmm. own dedicated line to be safe. Um, to meet the frequencies that we're hoping to have. And also, um, it won't be sharing that line with freight, which is what Amtrak is currently uh, doing for the, the Cascadia corridor. Right, but it's not necessarily going to be right next to that, the railroad Correct. tracks. Right. But that makes it tricky. Correct. Mm-hmm. So it's looking for ways to, you know, how do we um, have a good relationship with Amtrak and uh, and. and the other transportation that, that we're connecting into as far as are we planning when we get to these these cities, these municipalities, will the stations be located in places that connect 
with existing local transport, like bus or light rail or streetcar, so that when you get off the high-speed rail, you don't have to choose a car to get around the city. You're already there, um, or you can connect into where you're going by using mm-hmm. a bus or a local train, a local uh, light rail. And that way, you know, we're reducing car dependency further, um, and so you're not having to drive to get to the station to use the high-speed rail. So we're really kind of advocating for seamless trips uh, using this train and you know looking at with, with Amtrak you know they would still be serving the smaller towns along the way um, so it's it's useful to have um, you know that service because those folks are still going to be needing rail service too and if you're not going from one end to the other you know a long distance over the hour um, time frame, you might be going from a smaller city to a smaller city and Amtrak can serve your needs perfectly fine. So it's about giving people the choice of different modes that would best suit their needs for their lifestyle. And it would be the same train station? Not sure yet. Not yet, yeah. (laughs) Not sure yet. So we have to figure out where the line is going. (laughs) Like for the, uh, yeah, Vancouver train station. or Okay, yeah, a lot of questions that need to be answered, but it's in the process and exciting. And I was going to ask you, well, when are we going to see this train? But I think you you answered that. (laughs) It it could be 10 to 15 years, or it could be five years. (laughs) Depends on how much red tape we can get rid of, right? (laughs) Absolutely. It's like, it's how does the decision-making process go? And and also, you know, we might know, um, you know, as the process moves forward, there will be a time when we select a train manufacturer. So we would actually be able to see what train we're getting, even if it's not running yet, you know, if the route is still under construction. And there's some other projects that are happening around the country where you can get an idea of what these high-speed rail vehicles look like. Um, Texas Central, which is connecting from the Houston area to the Dallas area, um, is using the Shinkansen technology, which is the high-speed rail in Japan. Um, The same technology is being used for the Northeast Maglev, which is currently... Um, doing a DC to Baltimore route. Um, oh my gosh, field trip, field trip for me. Yes, so many <laughs> things to ride, yeah. <laughs> and then of course we have um, the California High Speed Rail has a vehicle rendering um, on their website and we have the Florida Brightline. There's also the Express West, which is Southern California to Las Vegas, which uh, talk about a field trip for that. that that'll be an exciting one. And of course, Amtrak um, already has, they have a higher speed train in the Northeast Corridor, which runs from DC to New York City up to Boston. And they just have new vehicles um, for their Acela line. So there's lots to choose from. (laughs) And there's uh, some of them are already here. um, And and we're excited to see that grow and, and to see these other new systems come online like Cascadia. Well, I think you like trains more than Joe Biden, than President Biden. Oh, come on. I don't know. I don't know about that. And Secretary Pete. And Secretary Pete. Yeah, you have to play uh, Ticket to Ride with him. You know, Team Pete, we're helpers, and we want to know, how can we help with uh, getting this word out, being advocates? Um, I know you mentioned something about, hmm, there's a virtual conference coming up. Do you want to tell us about that? Yes. Yeah, so, uh, you're so, going to be, you're involved in that. Yeah, What's coming so, up in uh, April? Just around the corner. So on April 7th and 8th, we are having a virtual conference and we have been working with APTA, which is the American Public Transportation Association, 
Uh, they are a professional organization for transportation experts in the U.S. and Canada. And this conference is going to be all about high-speed rail. So we have a fantastic lineup of over 30 presenters talking about everything you want to know about high-speed rail. And this is great for the general public, for decision makers, for the business community. So you come in and learn um, about some of their frequently asked questions like, uh, what are the economic benefits? What are the climate benefits? How do we build a system that's affordable for everyone to use? Um, and also uh, help people with some of these, these issues such as housing affordability and having better commutes. And you can also learn about uh, projects that are coming online for Amtrak across the states. You've probably heard about the expansions that are happening um, both in the Midwest. I know up in, in Minnesota there, we've got some excitements about some expansions that are happening between there and Chicago, um, as well as through Wisconsin, Michigan, and Ohio have some, some new ideas coming in as far as Amtrak expansion. So uh, lots to learn from. Um, Cascadia is well represented there. Um, I'm giving a talk about job creation, specifically about how high-speed rail can help millennials and uh, really help us find great paying jobs with the rail sector. Um, and we're looking at ways to get more women involved, more people of color involved. And a fun fact, because um, we recently had uh, a women's, was women's uh, month is coming up this month. And fun fact about that, only 7% of women work in the rail industry. So, so people that are working in rail are only 7% women. And we would love to see that number grow. So if you're interested in, in what those jobs look like, come check out our session. Um, I'm doing another session called Fast Trains for All as well. I'm moderating that session. And that is all about um, the Amtrak expansion and potential for having service all across the states, not just the states that have historically been transportation cities. So you know, how can small towns benefit in addition to big cities? So we hope that uh, you'll join us and, and check us out. Um, the, the website for that is on um, apta.com, I believe, or we'll have a link to, our, to it on our Cascadia Rail Twitter and our Train Explainer Twitter, uh, which is at Cascadia Rail or at Train Explainer. Yeah, Train Explainer. I just um, promoted that because I, I think that's fairly new that you've started um, trainexplainer.com. Yes. So Train Explainer is, is brand new and it's an educational website um, using digital communications to share information about these high-speed rail projects. So if folks are interested in learning more about the Cascadia project, as well as following along what's going on in the country um, with projects in California, Texas, Midwest, um, you know, there's there's over 30 different projects that are, are proposed um, be getting funded and, and moving forward. And we're also talking about the American High Speed Rail Act, which is a $205 billion proposal to invest that amount of money in high-speed rail projects over the next five years. And that bill is currently in the House. It was proposed by Representative Seth Moulton of Massachusetts and co-signed by Representative Del Bene from Washington State, uh, she's a representative here in, in Seattle and up the western coast of, of Washington. And uh, also Brendan Boyle, who is a representative from Philadelphia area. So 
we we talk about that. We cover like all of the latest happenings in policy and in projects. So if you're interested, please join us. Give us a follow on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Train Explainer. Oh my, there's so much in there. Oh my gosh. And then uh, we'll want to be following that bill, right? <laughs> for oh, sure. And advocate. We'll keep an eye on that for sure. Oh my goodness. So, so what we can do to help, so we're going to, we're all going to register for this uh, high speed rail virtual conference, April 7th and 8th. And um, then we're all going to be following train explainer. And um, I see also, there's another way you said we could help uh, Cascadia rails recruiting new volunteers. I don't know anybody who would be interested in that. Nobody on TP ever wants to do any work. (laughs) (laughs) So if you, if you've enjoyed following us here since, uh, since Valentine's day and you, and you love us, uh, love our feel here, we would be glad to have you. So we are looking for new volunteers um, to join and no rail expertise is required, but a passion for trains and great enthusiasm is needed. Um, so we are looking for folks who are creatives, who are great communicators, who like policy, who like um, business operations, who like development. If you have a skill that you think you can contribute, we would love to hear from you. And so you can just reach out to us. Um, we have an application at cascadiarail.org forward slash join the team. And we've also posted this on our social media too. Um, But yes, we have applications for that are currently open and we look forward to hearing from you. We hope that you'll join us. And so you don't need to live in the area because uh, so much is is done remotely, but I know that we do have a, a very, a lot of team Pete living in the Cascadia rail area. So who knows, someday things might be in person again. That's right. And, and we do everything. We do have virtual meetings because we have our folks in Canada, Washington and Oregon. So that when we do have our, our team meets, everything is virtual. So, yes, um, location. OK, but the ribbon cuttings, you know, they're eventually going to be ribbon cuttings there. You know, and I, I'm going to be there. To watch that happen. Oh, absolutely, absolutely, <laughs> definitely. I want to have. I want to hold the scissors with you and, and cut the cut the bow. <laughs> oh no, <laughs> no. I I, w- I I wouldn't have actually been uh, could be credited with doing anything other than enjoying it. So wow, let's make that happen. This is so exciting. Uh, so let's uh, we'll keep track of everything and we'll do our bit to advocate. Um, and learn, right? Because this is hashtag learn about DOT. That's what uh, uh, that's what we were doing. So I've got to ask you now. I always ask my my guests uh, towards the end. What what's your dream for the future? And since high speed rail is already like some people's dream, right? Because I have asked other guests and they go, I want high speed rail. Well, that's what we've been talking about already, right? <laughs> but yeah, so dream big because that's how things you know gets gets started. What, what do you think? What's, what's your dream for the future transportation? So, so I'm really happy and, and fortunate to have an opportunity to be involved with the high-speed rail at such a, a pivotal time like when everything's really coming together. And, and that's been my dream for quite a while. And, you know, as I think about what's next, um, you know, in addition to improving some of the things we talked about earlier, the way that we build these projects and help people understand these projects. I think what I would really like to do next 
is to get Chastin to help us make a train themed playlist. I think that's my next dream project. So I've reached out, I've tweeted at him if he can make us a, tra- a playlist of train songs. And Chastin, Chastin, so, if you're listening. <laughs> Maybe Team Pete can help with that, too. Who wants to hear a, a playlist of train-themed songs we can listen to? Okay, so hero? something other, you know, awesome. you know, Johnny Cash would be, you know, obviously, but we want some, some, some variety. So they're not all Johnny Cash songs. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Macklemore, who's, who's from Seattle, he has a train-themed song. Um, we've got to have Dolly Parton. She, I love Dolly Parton, so I'm, I'm sure we can find something from her. Michael um, Moore, Do- Dolly Parton. Oh my gosh, there, there's a lot of Team Pete. They're already on it. So then, then Chastin's, Chastin's just going to be miffed that it was already done without him. So <laughs> <laughs> we'll be tagging and be like, "Hey, we reached out. You know, we we got this awesome yeah, compilation together, know. right?" <laughs> it took it took you like a day to get back to us, but we already did it. No. <laughs> That's how we roll at Team Pete, right? <laughs> roll well, we please. don't make so high speed rail so fast. You don't really need very many songs, right? <laughs> That's true. Just like five, I think we'll <laughs> just need an hour yeah. of songs. It's good. <laughs> and and then you'll be there already. Oh my gosh, this has been so much fun, Paige. I've really enjoyed learning so much about high speed rail, it can the Cascadia rail and everything. So, so just a reminder, everybody, follow Cascadia Rail on Twitter, Train Explainer on Twitter, and uh, CascadiaRail.org is your website. And that to be looking for information on the High Speed Rail Virtual Conference, April 7th through 8th. And uh, we'll just like be spreading all of this around through retweets and get, getting the word out. So thank you very much for talking to me today, Paige. Thank you so much, Sue Ann. It was delightful being here with you as always. Okay, well, we'll keep in touch online. All right. We'll speak soon. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Twitter Travels for Pete, Transportation Edition. I hope you learned something new. I know I did.